Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Happy Saturday. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Serta. We're going to start things off today with the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Pete Sweeney's got five things that he's observed about the Chiefs' defense so far in training camp. After that, we're going to follow things up with Out of Structure. Orlando Brown did report to Chiefs camp this week, as well as some training camp observations from Ron Cop. After that, the Great British Chiefs show has some training camp observations from across the pond. Then we're going to take a quick time out. When we get back, we'll catch up with Chiefs coast to coast. They went a little bit more in-depth to Orlando Brown showing up to training camp and what that means for the offensive line. And finally, we'll finish things up with show and BK. Ron, the show Hughley was out this week. So myself and Brandon Kylie discussed the Chiefs cornerback room. And while there's optimism around the young players in that group, it could be a problem if this secondary has to start two rookie cornerbacks in week one of the NFL season. That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, we're continuing with the 10 things I think about training camp. I've been up there each and every day. We've learned a lot so far. There's more to learn as we go. I'm now going to turn the page from offense to defense and give you the first defensive thing, I think. And if you've been listening to our training camp reports, which Steven Serta and I do every day, I've already alluded to this, and Steve made fun of me for it the other day, that I had to be <laughs> negative. But I think it's been a good thing that cornerback Joshua Williams has looked the part. I think it's been not so good that you've been hearing less about Trent McDuffie, who the Chiefs mm-hmm. traded up in the first round for. And I watched today in pads as Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who is a much taller receiver, really picked on Trent McDuffie. And I'm not, I'm not like if you if you talk about the the worry scale one to ten, I mean I'm not at a seven. Am I in the three or four ish right now? I'm starting to get up there. And and Williams is a good player, and he looks like he's going to be a contributor for this team. But I I do have my worry about McDuffie, and especially just in in the fact that I've written about this on ArrowheadPride.com that the Chiefs took McDuffie and then, you know, pick or two later, whatever it was, the Bills go and take Elam. And I just think these guys are going to be compared. And if McDuffie seems to be a bust, I think there's going to be a little bit of regret there. I'm getting too far ahead of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had mentioned going into training camp that I thought McDuffie might struggle a little bit early on. Right. I, I think we're seeing that a little bit. Uh, how is he going to respond? The Chiefs picked him at that position for a reason. Great about Williams, eh, about McDuffie. You know, I think it's really hard to be a cornerback in the NFL. I've said this before. Yeah. You know, every play, uh, the offensive player has the advantage over the defensive player. Yeah. And everybody expects a cornerback, every cornerback to be a shutdown corner. And if you give up one pass for a touchdown in a game, everybody thinks you're a bum. 
So I wouldn't want to be a cornerback in the NFL, and I especially wouldn't want to be a first-round cornerback in the NFL. That's right, because the expectations are so high. Um, I I think I think the worry scale that you're mentioning is about right. A little bit of worry, not a lot yet, not even up to average. But I also think that um, we knew right off the bat that McDuffie wasn't going to look really good until the pads came on. Yeah. And we're at day one of pads. You yeah, know, let's, I, let's I, see I, what he does in a week from now and see if that changes the worry scale. And sort of the point you were making about offensive linemen, right? Like when you're in right. the game mm-hmm. setting, there's safety help and you're game planning against those opposing receivers. Chiefs are going to play the Chicago Bears in their first preseason game. Like, let's see how he does against receiver in another jersey. But I think the thing that I noticed is if he is going to start on day one, which is what a first round cornerback should do. Right. You're going to have these veteran quarterbacks that are looking for him and he's right. going to be tested and it's going to be early and often. And so uh, that leads me to the second thing. I think, I think the sooner Rashad Fenton takes the field, the better I'll feel because they are missing him right now. I think having a, a cornerback with experience that really, I mm-hmm. think had a nice breakout season last year. Yes, he did. Gaining confidence will be key to have. If McDuffie does struggle early on McDuffie could have early struggles be replaced in a lineup at a starting position and then turn out to still be a pretty good corner down the line, right? Like that could could be a scenario that happens. If that's a scenario that's going to happen, you have to have a healthy quarterback. And we really haven't heard a lot about Rashad Fenton. The only thing that we've heard, the last thing we heard is he was going to be ready for the start of training camp, which was not the case. He's been on the Mm -hmm. PUP and he looks fine. I've seen him on campus. I've seen him walking around. We see him working out off to the side with the training staff as these practices are ongoing. But, man, I I really think this is a player that the Chiefs need back soon, and mm-hmm. I hope he comes off the PUP sometime soon so we can be ready for the start of the regular season. And the longer this thing goes, you start to have questions about week one. Well, I, I think that's exactly right. I'm, I'm a Fenton fan, so I'm, I'm all for him coming back. You, you know, it's like running backs. You can't have enough good cornerbacks. You know, if you have uh, three good ones and one of them gets hurt, you know, you can get exposed really easily and really quickly in an NFL game against a good corner, a good quarterback. So I'm all for Fenton being back because I think it'll help us on a lot of different levels, including giving McDuffie uh, the space to mess up. Right. You know, if we get to the regular season and he gets picked on too much, they can pull him back, put Fenton out there and let him season a little bit more. If Spags can play. First round player is going yeah. to eventually figure it out. If Spags can play Daniel Sorensen over Juan Thornhill for seven weeks, then he could play Rashad yeah. Fenton over Trent McDuffie. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> All right, we've gotten through seven. I have three more, two more on defense, one more general about the team. Things I think as I've been watching training camp. I'm going to get some eye rolls here. You think I care? I don't care. You've made it to 40, <laughs> minute 47 of the podcast. I think defensive end Frank Clark has put himself in the best possible position for this grand comeback story. Uh, he's now corrected his stomach issues by not drinking alcohol, uh, which is amazing because he always seemingly deals with them in the worst possible parts of seasons and misses a handful of games here and there. So the stomach problems are gone. I know that everyone makes fun of skinny Frank. He looks about 250 from 262 last year, but he's moving well. And I think the thing that stuck out to me today is Andy Reid talked is his endurance is there. There were times last year. I mean, if you really watch the third and fourth quarter of games and Frank Clark said, pull up the film from last year. He was winded and tired and Mm -hmm. just not capable of being a factor late in games. And that was 
something where I, I think he really shined in 19 where he was that closer. And I think he noticed that. And it also seems, and, and I'm, he didn't really allude to this, but I also think uh, there were some off the field things where I think he wanted to be a better person also by cutting out alcohol. And he looks great. Uh, I mean, really great. For, I don't know if he looks great as like this big bulky football player that you're, you're supposed to be, but he looks great for like a friend that was maybe overweight and lost a lot of weight. And you're like, right, my right. God, you look tremendous like that. It's that type of description. I don't know if that will necessarily translate to being a top defensive end in the mm-hmm. NFL, but I, I think he's put himself in a position to have this comeback season. Now, what does a comeback season look like? He says he wants 10 or more sacks, which I appreciate him for. I don't know if that's in the cards, but uh, I'll tell you what. Uh, I believe in him more now than I have maybe since that Derrick Henry game in the Super Bowl, uh, which has been a long time. Uh, you know, that what is that? You know, you're talking about 2020. It's now 2022 in August. Um, so like since the pandemic started, I, I think Frank Clark has, has looked the best he's looked. And there's added motivation, like bettering your life for your family, losing mm-hmm. weight, feeling better is one thing. We just saw defensive ends, even in their older ages, paid this past offseason. So there is a I know he's signed for two more years, I believe, in Kansas City with the restructured deal. But there's still added motivation that maybe he's in for another payday uh, a little bit later into his career. So I like what's happening with Frank Clark. Call me crazy. Roll your eyes. I, I'm, I've fallen for it. I, I mean, I have. I, I'll, I'll admit it. And uh, I, I am rooting for him. Uh, after that press conference the other day, he was really candid with us, which is not something that right. you can always oh, yeah. say at these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And so I'm I'm loving up on some Frank Clark right now. I'm I'm sorry to say it. I, I am. I, I I can't help it. Well, there'll be a lot of fans that that will think you're crazy. I mean, I, I don't think I'm telling you something you don't know. Right. Uh, a lot of people have given up on him already. Gave up on him a long time ago, and will never change their minds about him. Okay, I get it. But I think you're making a good point, Pete, that that, you know, even if he makes just a a somewhat of a climb out of the cellar, that's a victory for him at Mm -hmm. this point in his career. You know, I don't think there's a lot of chance that the Chiefs are going to keep him on for another year. He would have to be have a spectacular season for the Chiefs to want to pay him what they would have to pay him next year on the contract he now has. I think they're going to be a lot more inclined to let him go at the age he'll be and the, with the baggage that he carries with him, et cetera. So really this is a contract year for him. Right. If he get if he comes out and plays pretty well, he'd have a chance to grab a, you know, I don't know, $5 million, $10 million contract with another team for another year or two. Right. And that'd be a win for him. And I agree that um, where he's at right now, physically and, and the way he's talking it's a really nice setup for somewhat of an improvement in 2021. And honestly, if we get somewhat of an improvement out of Frank Clark and get some production from Carlos Dunlap and get a little production from George Karlaftis, the defensive line will be in pretty good shape, if you ask yeah. me. So Carlos, Carlos Dunlap, by the way, supposed to come to Kansas City on Wednesday. I think taking yeah. care of some personal matters. So. We are, are looking forward to his debut at practice, which is just another guy that can help fill in the defensive end room. And I don't know. I, I'm starting to feel better about this room than, than I had been. Carlos Dunlap was a big help in that. I think they definitely yeah. needed another veteran at that position who you really feel good about. But even these younger guys, I, you know, I, I see a Mike Dana and, you know, he's talking about a career year and wanting that five or six sacks. You get the opportunity in Steve Spagnuolo's room because everybody plays. 
And right. so I just like the vibe of this room right now. It's another thing I think bonus bonus thing I think. Okay, you know, I think you can make an argument that for quite a while now, Carlos Dunlap was the right guy to get. Yeah, you know, even maybe going back to the time that all those expensive free agents were available. Yeah, you could make the argument that he was the guy the Chiefs should have been targeted because he had a lot of production, but not very much cost which right. was going to be an issue for the chiefs almost no matter what happened. And especially the way things fell out. So this is a, a theme of good vibes in Kansas city too. think Terrell yeah. Suggs and MV Pinnell, Mike Pinnell coming up. You need one of those guys that is just a little bit of that seasoning, right? You know, mm-hmm. what, you know, maybe what is it? Uh, cumin. Sometimes you just need a little bit of that. You stir it up. <laughs> And that's what that's the secret. More sauce. about cumin on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's mm-hmm. Show. I love it. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe a little basil. All right. On the show. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. All right. Point nine. I think Willie Gay Jr. If you saw this video the other day that Aaron Ladd put out, who does great work for us in 41, KSHB 41, where Willie Gay picks it off in seven on seven and it runs all the way back and starts mm-hmm. pumping up the crowd. I think he's comfortable. I think he's find, found some comfort. You know, talk about off-the-field things. I think he's mentally in a better place. I think he's playing loose. And I think he's going to have quite a few uh, interceptions this year because he he seems to be not thinking as much, which we saw maybe at the beginning of his career. And I just think he's become one with the, the defense, one with his will position. I think he's going to be really good in coverage. And I think he's going to surprise a lot of quarterbacks by picking the ball off and Willie Gay is picking the ball off, then you know you have Patrick Mahomes in this good offense starting at, at better positions on the field, and that can only sure. lead to more points. So I'm high on Willie Gay. I think I'm high on Willie Gay Jr. right now. Well, and also more interceptions means more of an opportunity for uh, Tommy Townsend to uh, have the lowest number of punts in the league, which I know a lot of people are, are hoping for. So right. every interception reduces uh, the potential punts by one. So that's a good thing. And I think a lot of yeah, and uh, the Chiefs have been going for it a lot more on 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 fourth down uh, than they have. I think ever it's got to be ever in Andy Reid's history, just because of the potent offense. So, all right. So I gave you five offense. I gave you four defense, and then here's my just general thing that I'm thinking as I've been around the team every day, day in and day out. I think generally speaking, with Brown Jr. now in the mix. Some of that weird B enemy stuff behind us from the offseason. Nagy has found, I think, a nice rapport with Pat again, and you're starting to feel good about the coaching staff. And Tyree Kill, who apparently was disgruntled and not a great locker room guy, he's now gone from the team and in Miami. So, again, Brown in the mix, B enemy stuff behind you, Tyreek gone. I think the locker room is in a place where it hasn't really had this feel good feel in a long time. And I, I think it's ripe for. Once Brown gets settled in, I think you're going to really get some good vibes around this team, and especially if you start winning games early with how you know difficult mm-hmm. we have said that first part of the schedule is. I think you're going to be in a situation where we have seen, and I'll admit it, and I, I never thought I'd be admitting this, but we've seen a lot of national disrespect for, about the Chiefs, but I think it's just ripe for this team to surprise a lot of people go on a tear early and you're going to see a flip of the switch where people start to say like sometimes what they say about the Yankees, you know, when they start to get good, oh, the Yankees are back. I think they might say that about the Kansas city chiefs and say, Oh, we should not have been sleeping and disrespecting this team. This team looks really, really good. And I think a lot of that comes from just the locker room and the feel around this team. Now that a few of those things have, have taken place. 
Well, now that we have some of that out of the way, uh, maybe all that's needed uh, to get him over the top is some Randy Reed. You know, that's get right. the coach's brother on the field and and get some of that comedy going, and and uh, you know the the good feelings go on. I was really kind of I don't know that I would say surprised um, by the remarks themselves, but I was surprised how vehemently Travis Kelsey spoke of Orlando Brown as a team leader. Today. You have, you've seen that though, and and they're doing it for you know, the teammate, but you've heard that a little bit from Pat and Creed and yeah. Trey Smith yeah. did that a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. I was surprised to hear that too, but I, I do think it, it comes down to, and this is smart about players. Players don't get involved in other players, money things. So they're right. right. So in their mind, that stuff doesn't exist. So they're just thinking back to last year and perhaps Brown was this guy that they really did look to as a locker room juice guy and a leader. Yeah, who who are we to say, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not in the locker room, so I I didn't expect that either. But it really does seem like the team is getting some juice from Brown finally being back in the building, and we will see if he's on the practice field starting on on Tuesday, John. Now, I'm curious. And, I'm curious about this now that the, all this COVID stuff is behind us, and we presume the locker rooms will be open after the games, and yes, that's we'll the presumption right now. Yes, go back in there. Do you think we'll get a better read on this kind of stuff going forward? than we have the last couple of years, because it's just been a complete mystery up to this point. I know from my years in the locker room post-game, you could kind of get a read on locker room was going just from what happened after the games. And um, do you think we'll get a better better idea about those things going forward? We'll definitely have a much better idea about the happenings of this team. And I'll give you an example of something that happened during COVID. Remember, like, Ricky Seals-Jones was on this team? And Ricky Seals Jones has gone on to be a pretty good role player elsewhere. Mm-hmm. He just didn't make it in Kansas City. And we didn't really have any idea what was going on with him. Where right. I think if locker rooms had been open at that point, someone could go up to Ricky and be like, Ricky, what's the deal here? Right. right. And you, you just haven't gotten those opportunities. So I think we'll we'll know a lot more when it comes to those aspects of the team. And when you put all those aspects together, you start to get a feel for the locker room. So I think a roundabout way of saying, yes, I, I agree with you. And for what it's worth, and, and this is just a note for you, we're, we're told, we've been told that it, it is back to the pre-COVID energy of being able to be in the locker room after right. games and during the week even as well. So we'll see how that changes what you know we find out about this team, how, how much we know about this team. Uh, and I think that's a good thing. I mean, I think, I think the, the, the NFL is a lot more fun when you are able to get those details and really understand the fabric of a team. And I think through COVID, for obvious reasons and safety reasons, we weren't able to do that. And and so now the NFL believes it's in a place where they can safely do it. And uh, again, we'll we'll keep you updated throughout the year. Another another great way to plug. Thank you, John. Uh, well, you know, I was thinking about the, what I was saying uh, about Dick Vermeil earlier yeah. is that he was always very open if you caught him in a unpublic place about what was going on and you know a lot of times we get information from these from these players and these coaches that we don't make public you know because it came to us in an unguarded motive i can think of a couple of times i was on the elevator with Vermeil and had conversations with him and he would tell me something and that informed my reporting not in a way that i could say went Mm -hmm. back to that conversation but it helped me understand what was going on and then describe it accurately to people on the outside. And, and I'm sure that's been something that's been missing 
the last couple of years when every utterance we get from anybody on the team is in a public setting through a Zoom conference call. Right. And right, right. and uh, so I'm, I'm very excited about uh, maybe learning more about what's going on with the team uh, during this coming season. Big news of the day yesterday was Orlando Brown Jr. Uh, reporting to camp. Uh, he'll be practicing on Tuesday, I believe, will be his first day of practice. He'll dive right in. I imagine they'll probably ease him in a little bit, but no acclimation period. He goes right into pads and, and shows up and goes right into pads. Yeah, no, I think that was his plan probably, right? I I had predicted, I think, on even on the pod saying that he's probably going to show up as soon as they're done at St. Joe, right? As soon as they report back to Kansas City where they don't have to stay in the dorms, all that. Well, I think he just wanted to wait for the pads, maybe. You know, why why mess around with these unpadded practices? His sitting out in that heat, you know, sweating for no reason. Why can't hit anybody, right? Maybe that was his thought process. I don't know if it was long enough to to feel like they made their point and they can show up, or if it really just was like there's no point in me being here until we're actually hitting somebody, so now I can show I, up. Yeah. Either way, Brown is in town, and it'll be uh, go time for the Chiefs full offensive line. Now we can start paying attention to the right side instead of the left side when it comes to camp practices. Also, uh, newly signed Carlos Dunlap will be reporting to the team on Wednesday, practicing on Thursday. So you get a new look at the defensive line rotation when he shows up. Hopefully that's a, a good uh, a good boost to that group and, and uh, they're able to rotate those guys maybe a little more than we thought that they would be able to uh, going into the season. Yeah, and that's one thing I want to make sure to preface this whole show with is, you know, the OLDL stuff, guys, That's this week is when it really starts where you can really get some observations in um, at training camp. And I didn't really pay attention to much, you know, Saturday with, in that respect. I mean, no pads. I mean, it's hard to really take away much. Um, but now that Brown and Dunlap are going to be there next time I'm there, check in next week. I'll definitely have some OLDL takes, a lot stronger takes um, in that department. You bet my DMs are full of clips of OLDL one-on-ones and highlight reels, and I love it. It's it's uh, it's a good time. We've seen some fun stuff there, and I, I know we'll get to a lot of that as we go through your questions. Injury news, uh, Jody Fortson uh, left uh, on the front of the cart the other day, which you know obviously is a lot better than the back of the cart. Uh, he's out there walking around today, not practicing, but it looked like he was doing okay. Andy Reid was very clear that this is a minor deal. He'll be back in a few days. Yeah, well, we'll talk about Jody maybe a little later, uh, potentially, depending on what, some of these questions. But I will say, uh, right now, that that's your tight end, too, um, going off the field on the cart, because he's looking really good at camp, man. I really, I think Jody, he, he's definitely looking like the second-best tight end in my eyes. So that's 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 more than just a backup tight end, or, you know, a, you know, a third or fourth tight end get, you know, going off the cart. So he's a, he's, he's, he's a big, that's a big-time uh, big news. And I assume they'll be cautious with him because yeah. because he is come on he has come on so strong. He did pick up right where he left off. Uh, they're going to give him the full veteran treatment and say, "Hey, we don't need you out there uh, re-injuring yourself." Hopefully, he can stay healthy though, because that is that is going to be the big question now, coming off of a lost season uh, or lost most of the season. Yeah, having another leg injury. All right, we don't want to slap that injury prone label on him too soon. Uh, so hopefully that's a short-term thing. The shortest-term injury of all, I think, was Patrick Mahomes. Uh, got his foot stepped on. Uh, let, let everybody sweat a little bit more than they already were, but was right back in action. Uh, sounds like that was no big deal. Yep, sure sounds like it. Yeah, I'm glad uh, I'm glad it turned out to be nothing, Stags. That was, it was scary for about 
two seconds when I first got the notification, but uh, it, it, it seemed to be okay. Well, we got tons of questions and a lot of them carried on uh, some of the big themes of what you expect to see in training camp. One of the things that always jumps out to me is you hear more about wide receivers in training camp than I think any other position in football uh, It's definitely, you know, more than, than the linemen, more than the quarterbacks, even I think. Uh, so the chiefs wide receivers have been the story of camp. It seems to me and a lot of them. So, We'll jump right in with Mark Morin's question. Uh, he says, we're hearing plenty of positive news. Sky Moore, Juju Smith-Schuster, MVS. Um, is Josh Gordon showing anything that would indicate that he would make the team? Uh, and he also notes that that Watson, Justin Watson, looks like a guy uh, that, that could make the team because of the, the, his special team's ability. I saw he finally made a couple plays in camp today. Um, so is there a candidate that might take away that fifth or sixth wide receiver spot from Gordon or Watson. Well, well, yeah, no, before I get into the the talk about the the new receivers, the guys, the more Juju and MBSs, we'll answer Mark Morin's question because when I was there Saturday, I noticed I saw a lot of Darice Fountain playing with those first team uh, reps uh, with Patrick Mahomes. Um, Fountain was that guy um, besides the top four, and then Justin Watson seemed to be that fifth guy that I saw getting reps uh, receivers with the the offense. Now that's not a name. That's not a name we've heard much about. This I know. Season. I know. Last preseason, he was everyone's darling. He had a great preseason. Had a few really highlight catches. Um, you know, he plays that X position. You know, he, he's a, a typical X, and that's what he was playing um, on the field Saturday. And yeah, you know, uh, you're talking about Josh Gordon, who I have said on this podcast, it sounded like he has momentum um, to make the roster this year. Uh, I didn't see him uh, playing with Mahomes much at all. And I know early in camp, you're getting a lot of rotations. You're kind of seeing where guys fit in. So, you know, I don't want to, you know, make this the end all be all, but I definitely, you know, uh, Fountain was definitely getting a lot more time with Mahomes in the first team offense um, rotating in than, you know, Gordon Powell. I mean, any of the guys you can name besides the top four and Justin Watson. So you're saying the top four um, are locked in Justin Watson. Are you seeing him as a lock? Yeah. Yes. You know, I, I, I kind of am at this point. Um, he was the other guy that was, I was playing a lot. I mentioned with like, as, as fountain, um, Watson was, was going in motion a lot. He was the motion man quite a bit. Um, I noticed, um, which was kind of cool to see. Um, he's, he's, he's kind of a rare combination, a little bit of size and speed that I think the chiefs are going to like. And I think he's going to kind of be that Marcus Kemp role, right? Where like they might throw him in a receiver sometimes, but he's a really good special teams player. And uh, yeah, I, I I do see him as wide receiver five right now. It seemed that was like pretty clear to me, honestly. That's interesting. I think that's news. I mean, he, he is a little bit of a hot name this off season, but, uh, uh, but yeah, Fountain definitely w- was not so much. Uh, Josh Gordon, are you just not seeing a lot from him at all? Or have you seen some miscue? Well, no, I just didn't really see him with the Mahomes-led offense. When he did get on the field, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't see any production from him, to be honest with you. Um, just, but that was just Saturday. You know, I'm only there one day. You know, there's definitely uh, other opportunities for him to get. But, you know, it does, it does just seem like right now, whatever momentum he had from OTAs, all the hype we may have, have heard potentially, um, you know, maybe it's just not as uh, as strong as maybe uh, previously thought. Maybe that was more, um, you know, us kind of hoping maybe more than you know, the team actually telling us that he's going to be maybe a part of this offense this year. Fair enough. Well, just a dreamer points out uh, 
or asked a question about Sky Moore, and he's the name that we've heard a lot about all of a sudden. Like he wasn't talked about through through OTAs and and mandatory uh, minicamp, and then all of a sudden, now that he's at St. Joe, uh, it seems like Sky Moore is making plays left and right. Uh, the question here from Justin Dreamer is, do you see him effective on the outside and not just in the slot? What do you think about Sky Moore in position-wise and performance-wise so far? Yeah, you know, I, I went up there kind of wanting to be skeptic a little bit because I, I think people maybe have just been getting excited about a rookie that, you know, we haven't seen yet. You know, maybe just, you know, kind of a confirmation bias almost in some instances. I don't know, man. He looks pretty dang good. I know there wasn't a pads on Saturday, but um, just his route running, you know, how how smooth he is in and out of his breaks. Um, there's a specific play, uh, you know, where he he separates from Legereus Smeet over the middle. And I just think he was so smooth out of his break and 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 so you know, he's, he's kind of one of those players that doesn't look as fast maybe as he actually is, right, because he's so smooth. And I think it caught, it catches Snead off guard, and I think that's what you're going to see in the NFL is he, he has that kind of movement that's going to catch people off guard, and it's going to give him those angles in the open field and, and different, you know, on routes. So all that to say, I absolutely do see how he could, you know, be an outside receiver and a slot receiver. I think at first, obviously, when you have these, these kind of bigger receivers that can take out on the perimeter jobs, you know, Sky will definitely be, you know, at his best in the slot as a rookie, I would think. Um, but that's where I want to just say real quick, man, his emergence, you know, it's going to be tough for, for everyone to get the ball here. And if Sky really earns some targets, man, that's where someone like McCall Hardman, you know, he, he's really led that hype train for him. I'm kind of getting worried, man. I, I really thought he'd, he'd be that kind of the most experienced player in the offense and maybe kind of leading the receiver group. But I'm kind of getting worried that we're going to see a, a pretty defined role from McCall once again as he's kind of maybe the compliment around the other three receivers being kind of the, the truly difference makers in the offense. Before we get too far into McColl, back to Sky, I really do remember the, pre, the pre-draft process. Uh, what did you see about Sky that you liked? Because I remember that it was the way he got in and out of his breaks and the, the releases he had off of the line that made him interesting because there's some things that translate from college to pros and some things that don't. Sometimes you're – your go up and get it big receivers in college don't separate enough to, to be good in the pros, yeah. right? What to me always seems to translate are guys that are great route runners and guys that catch the ball really well, uh, you know, in as, as far as hands catchers, right? So those are things that that we saw in Sky, and maybe maybe we just uh, uh, underestimated him a little bit. Yeah, I, I I definitely think I did. It's it's a learning lesson for me as an evaluator. Um, as, as you know, you're right, Stags. I do think something you can um, count on translating is if you have very technical footwork, if you have good fundamentals, uh, you know, releasing off the line of scrimmage, I mean, it does go a long way. And we've already seen some clips of, of and I saw it in person of, of sky really being fundamentally sound in terms of how to deconstruct, you know, a, a coverage right off the line. So I'm, I'm really excited about sky, man. I think so far he's looked really good. And again, you know, something I've always said with him is, Oh, well, you know, all these other mouths to feed, well, man, if he's this impressive, someone else is going to have to go down in that, that pecking order. And it just feels like it makes sense for it to be McColl. And he might still just be in that gadgety role rather than being a true receiver once again, which, you know, I know he doesn't want to be that anymore. Right, Sags? <laughs> I doubt he does. Back to Chiefs training camp. Now, uh, we touched on it briefly about Isaiah Pacheco, but is there anybody else who's really kind of uh, standing out for you at the minute? I know we hear a lot of the reports from Arrowhead Pride and, and Pete Sweeney's given us some great, you know, great details about that um keep up the great work pete because we really thrive on this stuff um from chief training camp i'd love to go one day 
I really would love to go one day, but I, I don't think I could stump up the cash just to get over just for a training camp. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know if that, it's for me, but... Um, that'd be a I'd, tough sell. It would be a tough sell, wouldn't it? Yeah. But uh, is there anybody really kind of popping out for you and, and somebody that you thought, I wasn't really particularly excited about that player before, but right now, I have to look at them. It's Sky Moore. Sky Moore, yeah. It, it's Sky Moore. Um, I expected him to be good. And I think everyone expected him to be good. I, actually, I think it's his pair. I, it's a pair between Skymore and Juju. I was going to say Juju. Yeah. Yes. I was going to say Juju and Skymore. Like, I fully expected Juju to be great anyway. Um, I didn't. But he's kind of gone up a gear. It's yeah. like, I expected Skymore to be good and he's been great. I was expecting Juju to be great and he's been phenomenal. Yeah. Like they've both exceeded my expectations and they're both making me feel a lot better about the wide receiver room. We've talked about the depth. We don't need to go into that again. We expected the depth to be better, but we didn't know whether the, the talent at the top of the room was going to be as good as we've seen. And yeah. obviously that was a cause for concern. But what we have seen in this first week are two receivers in them two that are just showing up in like the the biggest of way and you, you want to make an impression early in camp and them to sky more the rookie juju the guy looking to revitalize his his career and the pair of them have just been excellent they're like really good really encouraging from what i've seen the connection i think already that Mahomes is building up with juju is yeah is, is something to take note of is that is that madden 19 cover the connection. <laughs> That's all it is. That's all it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, the wide receiving court. I'm I'm feeling a lot better now. And I'm 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 obviously forgetting about that that previous wide receiver that we had before. I forget his name now. But um Mate, I feel it like had to be better. said. Yeah, it had to be said. Um I feel a lot better now that the wide receiving court is as 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 kind of tight as it is, really. I, I just yeah. I just think it's it's competitive. I can't remember the last time the Chiefs had a really competitive wide receiving core. Probably when Sammy Watkins was there, but there was not not, not really anybody who was going to be kind of pushing him. Even yeah. though was there for that, um, you know, at least Sky Moore is like pushing. Um, you, you know, the already established players on the on the team. You know, MVS and Juju, um, and making sure that he is at least considered to be starting this year. Um, you make an excellent point there. You make it like, I'm going through it in my head and I can't. Like, are we talking Jeremy Macklin and Tyreek Hill in his rookie year? Is is that the last time that we had two genuine... But even Tyreek Hill in his rookie year wasn't like exactly a well-beaten wide receiver. He kind of grew into that role as the years went on. When was the last time the Chiefs had at least two number two wide receivers? It was Sammy Watkins. Maybe Sammy Watkins, but hardly on the field. So but this, the Chiefs are going to go into the season with their number one being Travis Kelsey mm-hmm. and then potentially uh, MVS, Juju and Sky Moore, three number two wide receivers. Mm-hmm. And when was the last time we had that type of depth? We haven't had that type of depth under Andy Reid. He inherited Donny Avery and yeah. Dwayne Bow. They were his two guys originally. Then we rolled with Dwayne Bow for far too long. Yeah, And then after that, it was Macklin. Who did, who did Macklin have as a partner? And was it, he didn't have anyone until Tyreek Hill come along. Then Macklin yeah. went, and who's Tyreek Hill had as a partner? No one until Sammy Watkins come Sammy along. Watkins, and like you said, he was hardly playing. Yeah, um, and that's then that that was when we were a team that didn't really like throwing the ball that much. 
yeah. um, with, uh, with the Tyreek Hill early years. It the, was... the, the, the beauty of this is, though, is it, we can actually throw somebody in the slot and not be worried about it. In what We've sense? got two wide receivers there that we could throw into the we, we could throw somebody into the slot there, no problem. And we I'd be more than happy now having somebody as a slot receiver adding to the wide receivers and be qu- quite confident that the, who would you like? Well, who's going to be your slot guy? Were you putting a big body in there? Are you going to put your Sky Moore? Are we? I would put, are we, I would put uh, Sky Moore in. Uh, so are we looking at Sky Moore to be like like the Wes Welker of the of the Chiefs <laughs> offense, the, like the like the cha- the chain weaver? Like Wes Welker basically made that position. Yeah, like the slot receiver was a position, but he was the guy. He was the guy that made it for like small players, the the, the nifty small players. And we've seen players do it. We've seen Tyreek Hill do it. Yeah, uh, Wes Welker do it. There, there has been these smaller wide receivers who's come in and move chains, and then for the the quick, easy throws, is Sky Moore now that guy? Could be. I mean, but then again, who do you put on the on the outside? Well, you put MVS or Juju. Well, yeah. or McCall. Well, or oh, will, will McCall be that slot guy? Because he's played there before, hasn't he? I don't want to see McCall in a slot. I don't think. <laughs> no. I, I don't. I don't think McCall Hardman runs good enough routes to to play in the slot. He saying that. Did you see him in Chiefs camp against uh, Joshua Williams? Yeah, fair, fair, fair point. Him. Yeah, fair point. But I'm going to go more for what we've seen in the actual in a game, in yeah, a game yeah. for the last yeah. three or four seasons. Like McCall is improving. He is improving, but. To me, it already seems like Sky Moore is a far more technical route runner than what we've ever seen from McCall Hardman. And in, in from the start, you have to get the dirty yards. And that's where you have to be a really good route runner. You have to be a technician. That's why Travis Kelsey's so good in there. That's why he yeah. goes lined out on the slot. Sometimes he goes out there on his own because he can win in the short to intermediate situations where he can just shake a guy off, get open, catch a pass first down. And if we've got, if we're in a position where we've got Sky Moore and Travis Kelsey there, mm. then with like maybe like Juju or MBS on the outsides, uh, Jared McKinnon and Isaiah Pacheco, Clyde coming out of the backfield, then options are endless. Like the, the Chiefs, if they can adopt an, a, a, like a, a fourth down approach, similar to like, um, I hate saying it, like, charges approach if they yeah. can become that type of aggressive and show that type of aggression then with the receivers that the chiefs have and the players that they have to do the damage early in the slots in sky Moore, in travis kelsey then there should be no reason to ever see i was about to say dustin colquitt to see tommy townsend yeah. ever again that, that you make a good point actually i never actually really considered actually using the likes of clyde edwards alert in the in the passing game but You've never considered that. You've no, brought no, it no. up about I a million it, I, times. No, no, no. I've considered it. I've considered oh, why we're we not doing it, but I've never actually thought about it in this offense because I thought we've got so many now wide receivers that you know, yeah. even the tight ends, are, 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 you know, Jody Fortson's another one who's a brilliant, brilliant receiver. Um, and But we've also got the added extra. Uh, I, I'd love to see the Chiefs use Clyde Edwards-Alay like Jamal Charles was used. It's a tough ask. Yeah, well, I mean, and he's he's not going to be Jamal Charles, but what I mean is, like, you remember that Raiders game, the Raiders game where it was just literally, you know, yeah, that was just screen pass, screen pass, screen pass, wasn't exactly. It? But I mean, it worked. Yeah, I mean, look at look at like Jamal Charles, like what he did in that game. But that, that's the Raiders. Yeah, but that same that same offense was also led by Alex Smith and had Dwayne Bow and Nonny Avery as their lead wide receivers. Yeah, and they still couldn't match it up. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. So I, I like to think that Andy Reid is better in 2022 than 
trying to rely on a passing game for running back to to move the team. I I do feel that they will do it. I do think it will happen on occasions, but I'm still firmly of the belief that you have Patrick Mahomes, you have this quarterback, you've now given him a plethora of weapons to throw the ball to. You've got two guys that can win inside, outside, and Travis Kelsey, Sky Moore, then let's use them as opposed to giving the ball to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and hoping that we finally see the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire from LSU. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Anyway, man, let's get into these Chiefs. Uh, obviously, training camp has been underway for over a week now, roughly. Uh, yours truly, I mean, well, not me, but that's you. You've been on the ground uh, enduring the, the heat the humidity out there in St. Joe with your camera over your shoulder and your mic in your other hand getting viral footage. You got the footage of Sky Moore's injury, which wasn't a big deal. You're getting Orlando Brown with Brett Veach. We're going to start there with Orlando Brown. Obviously, he's reported to camp now, so everybody can take a deep breath. And before I get to you, man, I know we were talking about this on a lot of the previous shows. And we we're kind of predicting when he may come. I think we both agreed that he wasn't going to miss any games. But I'm sure you probably are on the same uh, thought process as me here. I'm surprised he returned this early. I mean, I, I'm absolutely stunned. I thought he was going to wait a little bit. You know, who wants to go to St. Joe right now? You know, it's so hot out there. Why not just work out with your own personal guy? Maybe come for the first or second preseason game. So. I'm shocked he came this early, but I'm happy. I mean, it's great because he came when the pad started. He uh, talked about how it's important for him and Andy Reid and the guys those first five days in pads. So it shows the ultimate commitment. And obviously, I mean, the main thing for me is, and I've said this before, he doesn't have much leverage here. Him sitting out does nothing. The deadline's already passed. You're going to play on the tag. And the longer you wait, 
you know, you may lose some leverage, right? If somebody steps in, they, they perform pretty well. They're like, oh, we don't ever need you that much. So it was imperative for him to come back, but I'm surprised it happened this early. Yeah, we're on the same page with that. I got the alert, and I almost couldn't believe it. It was the first day of pads, so we know it was an important day for uh, for Kansas City, but he comes in and practices in that second day, and I, he looked looked fine. I, I, he looked like he had slimmed down a little bit from uh, what he showed up at camp last year, and there was some pictures kind of going around Chiefs Twitter. Uh, he mentioned that, hey, you know, I've, I've been doing work. I haven't just been sitting all behind. Like, i actually been staying in shape and that kind of thing. But Marquis missed a lot of ball, man. It's, it's not just training camp. Uh, Orlando Brown wasn't present for any of the any of the earlier offseason activities as well. I, I think about uh, mini camp at the team facility. Uh, Orlando Brown wasn't present. We're still asking the same questions. Uh, so for him to show up, and, and he kind of spoke to this when talking with reporters after practice, he said, I know how important this five-day stretch is to Coach Reed. And, and, and uh, when we talk about a violent sport, a physical sport, and a, and a position that Orlando Brown plays in the trenches, He's got to he's got to jump back in and, and, and kind of fit in seamlessly with that offensive line. I'm surprised it happened as early as it did, but it's definitely a, a sight for sore eyes for Chiefs Kingdom. Yeah, absolutely. And what are your thoughts on this quote? This is a quote that's kind of been circulating around Chiefs Twitter, and people are calling Cap obviously when he said, "I want to finish the rest of my career here in Kansas City." And then you know he went on to say, "It's not about the money." You're asking what what I think about that? <laughs> if you can't speak on it, it's okay. Um, <laughs> you have to actually deal with this guy. I, I forgot about that. I and here's what I'll say about about the Orlando Brown situation. The Chiefs were kind of being the Chiefs were kind of being sneaky with it. They were like, "Oh, he's he's acclimating, so he might be out there, but he might not talk to y'all right away. Um, it's all part of the process." And then, like right before you know, media availability started. They were like, oh, by the way, Orlando Brown's coming down. I thought he took it over the chin. I, I, I thought he knew, I mean, obviously they had him prepped and ready to go. And I'm sure any PR professional told him, a, hey, this is what you should expect. But, you know, he openly admitted he felt like there weren't enough guarantees in the deal. Uh, uh, he didn't give any specifics, but we've all seen the number that's kind of been floating around there, six years, 139, but it, it, it's kind of funny money, Mark. You know this, man. The Chiefs could have got out of that reported contract after two years, and Orlando Brown is, is sitting there with no security. He said, you know, there's no hard feelings. Obviously, that video of him and Brett Veach kind of made the rounds a little bit, but I thought that that was just – that just kind of showed where the two parties are right now, man. A contentious negotiation, uh, both sides probably upset with how it turned out. But, you know, you get back on, under one umbrella, you get back on the, on the same page, and – you're back to addressing what the what the topic at hand or what the goal at hand is, and that's trying to play in Arizona in February. Yeah, and speaking of February, he said he's win, he's here to win Super Bowls, and that's all he cares about. And, you know, he sounds like he's dedicated and he's ready to go. Um, well, I was very, hold on. Cause oh, go ahead. It, it is a little cap. We can go ahead and admit that. I mean, it, it, <laughs> a, a lot of times when, when players say stuff, you know, you kind of have to read between the lines. But what is Orlando Brown supposed to say in that situation? I mean, he admitted where he felt like the shortcomings were with the deal. And then he said, you know what? I didn't feel right sitting at home. I'm here now. No hard feelings. I'm ready to roll. I felt I felt like that was that was an honest. I, I, I know I don't care about money is something that players say all the time. And it, it's probably something we have all said in our in our 
professional lives. Oh, I just want to do something that makes me happy. I don't care about the money. But that yeah. matters. That, I mean, it, it matters, man. We know that that matters. The fact that he's here, that was more important than, than a lot of the stuff that he ended up saying. Yeah, it definitely matters. And what obviously is going to matter even more is his play this year, right? Because this is it's a prove-it year. I mean, if he goes out there and looks like a top five, top ten left tackle, undeniably, the Chiefs have a lot of success offensively, and he's a big part of that. He's going to have a lot of leverage heading into the offseason. And now the Chiefs going to have to make a decision, right? Uh, are you going to give up that bag? Because he's going to demand a lot of money if he plays good this year. Like I said before, left tackle is arguably the second most important position in football behind quarterback because you're protecting the quarterback's blind side. So we'll see, man. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm excited to see that he looks a little slimmer. Uh, should help him against those speed rushers that really gave him a lot, a lot of problem last year because he was actually really good in run blocking. He struggled in pass protection at times. He got better as the season went on, obviously. But a lot of that had to do with him also coming from Baltimore, which is a very heavy run system. You know, coming to Kansas City, obviously, is the complete opposite. So it took time to adjust uh, from completely opposite schemes. I'm not sure there's any position on the roster right now that is more fluid than what we're watching at corner, at least when it comes to the starting spot. I think most of the starter roles are pretty established at this point in time. I don't know who that third corner is going to be in the nickel right now. We know that at one spot, it's going to be McDuffie. Another spot is going to be Legereus Sneed. Most of camp, it seems like Joshua Williams has been that third guy. Today, it was Jalen Watson, a rookie that was there as well. Rashad Fenton at some point, we don't know when exactly, is going to be coming back from the PUP. I wouldn't say I'm concerned about the cornerback spot yet, but I'm cautiously pessimistic on what we're seeing from the group. I I'm very curious to see what it looks like going into these preseason games where they're having live bullets against real wide receivers, especially against Washington. When you're going up against Terry McLaurin, that's going to be the one that I'm very curious to see what this group looks like. I mean, I'm not feeling good about Trent McDuffie right now. (laughs) I mean, everything that I, and I know everybody is always trying to play catch up on training camp. Like, Part of my job is to just make sure I know what's going on, even if I'm not on the ground at Chiefs training camp. So I'm following these storylines all day, every day. And there has been very little positive response about Trent McDuffie so far in training camp. Um, But I do think that some of it, and I agree with you, he's locked in. He is a starting cornerback. And I think that's part of it is that Spags is just kind of throwing him to the fire because if it were up to Spags, he doesn't like deploying rookies this fast but they don't really have a choice this season. So Spags is just like, okay, you just got to dive in. Like you just got to learn it. It's a lot of this hinges on Rashad Fenton, because when we saw Rashad Fenton last season, we talked about it a ton. He was a really good player for them. He has been a really good player for them when he's gotten a lot of playing time. And he's been a really underrated player that hasn't gotten enough credit over the last couple of seasons for how well he's played for them, but he's missed a lot of time now. And, And I don't know if that's coming to an end anytime soon, you know, Andy Reid said this week, just, Oh, he's progressing. You know, we're, we're, he's, he's doing well. We're, we're hoping to get him back on the field soon, which is like what they've been saying for months. So I don't know when Fenton's going to come back, but I would have to imagine he's going to be the other starting corner with a, a mix of Joshua Williams, because I do think 
that the hype around him is real. I, I think that he can be a really good player for them. Um, I, again, though, I don't think Spags under any circumstance wants to deploy two rookies in his starting secondary come week one of the season, but they, they might not have a choice. But Joshua I was about Williams, to say, what's the other option? Yeah, it's Joshua Williams. At least he's got the length and size, and, and he's shown that he's he knows how to use it, and so. I am excited about him as a player because I think he could wind up being a really, really good developmental player for them. But yeah, it's, I, I'm not super optimistic that it's going to be great early in the season um, because it is trending that way, that there's going to be two rookie cornerbacks in their secondary starting week one in the NFL season. And I think those guys have upside and they have talent, but that's not where you want to be come week one. Yeah. It, it reminds me a little bit of, I think it was like 2018, 19, one of those two. I think it was 18 when we first saw Charvarius Ward in the secondary, right? And it, it took like eight, nine, 10 weeks to get to that point. And then he played against Seattle and was like, oh boy, this is not good. But he was in the right position every single time that they threw the ball. They just threw it deep, went over his head. He wasn't able to come down with it, didn't make a play on the ball, and then gave up a ton of yards as a result. That was late in the season because they tried the veterans first. They didn't really have that option this time around. It's going to be one of Joshua Williams, Nazi Johnson, Jalen Watson. Like one of those three guys, at least the way that tr things are trending right now, is almost certainly going to be starting week one. And when you're going up against the Cardinals and then the Chargers and the Colts and the Bucks and the Raiders and the Bills and the 49ers, you've got some good wide receivers early in the season, man. This is not an easy schedule to just be like, okay, yeah, it's going to be fine. We've got rookie corners starting on both sides of things here. No, those guys better be ready to go, man, because you got some really good passing offenses early in the season and some good schemes as well that you're going to have to be going up against. I know last week I said this is the best young secondary in football. <laughs> I um... forgot about that. <laughs> Uh, which, you know, it, I probably still believe that. I think there's a ton of upside in this unit. But yeah, it's when you look at the Chiefs first eight weeks of the season, like it's not where you want to be week one. And it's if they can find a way to get Rashad Fenton back and he's ready to go uh, come the first regular season game of the of the year, I'm going to feel a lot better about it because I've seen Rashad Fenton do it. I've seen Rashad Fenton be a really consistent starting NFL cornerback for this defense, but it just doesn't seem like it's trending in the right direction. It just doesn't seem like there's been any progress there with him so far. So I, I think that's probably what's going to happen. And yeah. When you rattle off the offenses that they're playing against, like those are some really good opposing wide receivers the, that that's, that's not great. And then you ta start talking about the division and the wide receivers that are in this division. Like, it's going to be a problem, I think, early in the season because those guys need to get some time. They they need to learn, and that's why they don't like deploying these rookies right away because Spags, the way he likes to play defense, he's like, yeah, I need you to play man coverage. <laughs> I need you to man up and shut this guy down and make a play and make sure he doesn't run past you. And there's just not very many rookie cornerbacks in the NFL that are capable of doing that at a high level at, in their first regular season game. In the first seven weeks of the season, you'll see Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Michael Pittman, Mike Evans, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, 
Debo Samuel, and oh, by the way, in week one, maybe, depending on how things go, probably Hollywood Brown as well. It's a it's a murderer's row of wide receivers. And oh, by the way, the quarterbacks on all of those teams happen to be pretty darn good as well. If these guys aren't ready, it's going to be a problem. That's the group that I'm most interested in seeing, I think, in the preseason is what you've got at cornerback. Because like wide receiver, you've got pros there. I know everybody's excited to see Sky Moore, but you've got pros there at the top end. Offensive line is basically what it was a year ago. I want to see what Isaiah Pacheco is, but as we mentioned earlier, I think he's a tertiary piece. I don't think he's a guy that's going to be a starting option for you. Defensive line, George Karloftis, he'll be cool to see, but he's probably a backup going into the year. Linebackers, we know. Safeties, we know are at least guys that have been there, done that before. We've never seen these corners, and two of them are going to be starting (laughs) in week number one. If there is one unit that I'm most curious to see once we actually get into the preseason, it is 100% without a doubt these cornerbacks and finding out, okay, where's Trent McDuffie at? And which of those other rookie corners is most likely to start opposite him in week one? Yeah, we just have to get to game action. We just got to get to a preseason football and see these guys going against some opposing units and guys that are also competing to win and to get and to get jobs and to get contracts and to find roles in an offense because it's not the same right now. Like right now. We've been hyping up the secondary and we've been hyping up the cornerbacks. And it's great that Joshua Williams and Jalen Watson and these young guys are, are making plays uh, against those dudes in practice. It's just not the same thing. And so we could feel really good about it right now. And then once we're a month into the season, we could be like, oh, we have the worst cornerback group in football. <laughs> like, like that's not an unrealistic possibility. I don't think that that's necessarily true. But when you're this young, there's going to be a lot of development. There's going to be a lot of growing pains. And, you know, I love LeJarius Seen. I think LeJarius Seen's a great player, but he's the only guy in that cornerback room that you're like, well, at least we don't have to worry about him. And that's not a good position to be in. 